One of my favorite hymns is, O Holy Night. I love that first verse and refrain in particular. And in my mind, I hear the great operatic voice of Luciano Pavarotti. I don't have that voice, but I'll offer the verse. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth, the thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angels' voices, O divine night, O night when Christ was born, O night, divine, O night when Christ was born. I love the imagery and the majesty of this song. I don't identify as Christian, but there is something about it, this quiet beginning and the naming of the beauty of the earth, even while recognizing the weariness of the world and the need, the need for a powerful vision and an embodiment of hope. It is at night that this revelation appears and illumines everything. We are instructed, invited, practically commanded to fall on our knees. And it is an understandable response to power, to majesty, all the holiness, and to do so in our own humility. It is the power of night in this song, the darkness and the struggle of travel while being unable to see and to know what path to take. It is the power of night, inextricably linked with the cosmos and the glory of all that is, concentrated in a time of birth and the renewal of life. You know, this is one of those carols of intersection for me, um, because we are not only anticipating Christmas in this time. Here we are at the winter solstice and so many other holidays and holy days and embodiments of miracles. In solstice, we are in its own holy night as we celebrate this longest evening and watch and wait for the sun to return. In, in addition to the religious traditions that are around us, we encounter the stars as well, our earth and all that is around us. It happens that this year's convergence, uh, this year's solstice is at a great convergence in the sky between Saturn and Jupiter, one that hasn't happened in about 800 years. Now, the longest night of solstice and uh, inspires so many science conversations and talking about the relationship between the Earth and the Sun, and that stirs our astronomical hearts, uh, as my colleague Barbara Tenhove offered in our opening words. But this event, this convergence, 
lets us enter into full geeky joy and rapture. I'll offer that the University of Illinois Springfield Observatory is hosting a virtual star party on December 21st. In fact, we can all nerd up together. So here we are at this intersection of myth and story and science and human instinct. Here we are navigating this relationship between the night and the light, whether that light is the sun, the stars, or a candle we create. And as we approach Christmas and the new year, keep in mind we are also in this last stretch of liminal time that began way back at about Halloween and All Souls Day. We have been in this moment of transition for months at this point. And so it's reasonable to come into these holidays and question the nature of our existence. This is what this time is kind of meant ends up being meant to do for us as humans. We're in this Venn diagram of myth and science and existential concern and wondering how we're going to survive. And those questions, this is part of our work in faith development. How might, I want to invite us, how might we look up from our screens and take in a bit more of the world, the cosmos, in fact. We have so many existential questions before us, and we have the universe around us as our location to ask and answer queries of survival and thriving and tomorrow and to find our place in space and time once again. Every year in Unitarian Universalist congregations, no matter how many times we, any of us have gone through December and all of the holidays and holy days, it is a new experience of sorting out the belief and the grief and the science and the singing and back again. This effort of navigating these times and these great questions, this is an essential part of our collective and individual experience in a congregation, in a liberal tradition such as ours that wants to be open to wonder and direct experience and open to what, is, what science tells us and open to the deep stories that we have been telling each other for centuries for thousands of years. I also recognize, as part of our experience and encounter with this kind of time, these transitions, these cosmic questions, that every one of us comes to it from a different location. We each have our own personal histories, some of which are quite fraught and tragic and traumatic. And this year, this year some of us are not celebrating at all 
it truly doesn't feel like there is anything to celebrate. And I want to recognize the range of where we come to in this time. Part of what we get to do together, whether or not you reckon, celebrate a holiday or a story, but we get to learn what is around us and before us, what people are talking about, what speaks to each other, what speaks to us. We get to learn our human stories, absorb them, model what we think is important and valuable for our neighbors, and then pass on those lessons to our children. These are part of us creating legacy, cultivating being ancestors, but it's also where we have a chance to learn more about ourselves to pay attention to our emotional experience and those of others and set the stage for what we can expect and what we want to see happen in the year or the years to come. So maybe you don't celebrate, but I invite you to reflect. Sing if you need to, if you are one of those who really wants to be singing or maybe just try it out a little bit if you're singing at home alone. Light a candle, just for the act of adding a little light to the world, regardless of how long the actual flame lasts. What I want to do for right now is focus on the night and that question of why do we look at the sky in the first place? What draws us out to the stars and the evening and the perspective that is around us in that great dark dome? Scientist Neil deGrasse Tyson has some thoughts. He says, there is a fundamental reason why we look at the sky with wonder and longing it's for the same reason we stand hour after hour gazing at the distant swell of an open ocean. There is something like ancient wisdom encoded and tucked away in our DNA that knows its point of origin as surely as a salmon knows its creek. Intellectually, we may not want to return there, but our genes know and long for their origins at home in the salty depths. But, he says, if the seas are our immediate source, the penultimate source is certainly the heavens. And he goes on. The spectacular truth is, and this is something that your DNA has known all along, the very atoms of your body the iron and the calcium and the phosphorus and the carbon and nitrogen and oxygen and so on and so on were initially forged out of long dead stars. This is why when you stand outside under a moonless country sky, you feel some ineffable tugging at your innards. We are star stuff. Keep looking.
Neil deGrasse Tyson reminds us that we are creatures of the galaxy, that we are embodiments of the stars in our modest frames. We're doing this all at once, being cosmic and mortal, everywhere and individual, all at once. We're, we're kind of embodying, if you like the, scientist, the science fiction character, Doctor Who, we're kind of embodying what, he, what they describe as the wibbly, wommy, wobbly, timey-wimey stuff, just by being here. What Degrassi Tyson describes is happening now and thousands of years ago and millions of years ago, all at the same time. This cosmic perspective is our spiritual practice here and now. Rainer Maria Rilke goes on with a poem for Solstice. He says, You darkness that I come from, I love you more than all the fires that fence in the world. For the fire makes a circle of light for everyone, and then no one learn outside learns of you. No one outside learns of you. But the darkness pulls in everything. It shapes and fire animals and myself, how easily it gathers them, power and people, and it is possible a great energy is moving near me. I have faith in nights. This solstice moment is our moment for encountering the cosmos and all its implications for you and me. We are embodied stars on a holy night. And even as I say that, I know, and you know, it is not easy to be this star stuff in our mortal selves and soft hearts and minds and bodies. It is not easy to be here. In fact, it is such a struggle. It is no wonder that part of what the experience of these days and nights include is anxiety and fear. I don't know about you, but I, there are moments when I find the decorations, even a little star, are too much and too intense. You know, I already have, I don't know about you, but I already have a whole sensory overload in my anticipation and awe of the night at times. But this is the heart of the practice in, in Advent if you would, in the watchfulness of watching the night pass in the solstice of waiting and wishing and wondering. 
no matter how many years have gone by that have turned out to have the sun rise again or the new child born again, what if this year it isn't okay? What if this year this is not the child? What if this year the child does not come? It would be reasonable to have such questions because for many of us, 2020 is a year we would really, truly rather leave behind. It is full to the brim of death and loss and sorrow. This is our moment of greatest doubt, collective, cosmic. Will we survive? Will it remain forever night, whether physically or systemically? Will the empire rule again and continue? In our watch and in the waiting, we can spend time with that discomfort and that concern. One of the great revelations of this year has been how so many people have been suffering so long in our economic and educational and social systems, in our, in, in our justice systems as well. This isn't new, but it's taken on new presence and truly embodiment in this year. We have legitimate and deep questions about what comes next. You know, one of the refrains I hear from my colleagues and other uh, progressive-minded folks is, the world normal for many people was really already not okay. What kind of new world do we actually want to have happen? And what are we willing to do to create it? not just for ourselves, but for everybody. It's almost, we're, we're slowly, I see people slowly start to imagine, slowly start those conversations, and then have to deal with the urgent and the immediate of family and of health uh, and of work or of school or just simply surviving again. But when there's a little moment, we come back to that deep question, how shall we create and recreate the next year? How shall we locate ourselves in the cosmos going forward? How will we endure? We get to speak the truth in love about fear, about injustice, about confusion, and about our rage and deep anger at what has been and what 
any harm that we have known and understood, but not always known how to speak to it. We get to remember that we are powerful and precious and holy and not alone. So in that intersection of speaking the truth in love, relocating ourselves in the cosmos, and remembering that we have agency and presence, every one of us, that this star stuff can shine from within. That's part of that Venn diagram of encounter between science and myth and humanity. We can sing the songs of light in that encounter and of sing those songs of night to ourselves and to our children. Now I get to have the pleasure of, of that lesson again and again in our daily walks as a family. There are so many places. We're singing through the Christmas carols as we're walking and making alternate lyrics to them as well because there's so many places where I can be conscious and intentional about what to pass on, thoughtful about what I have carried, what has come into me, and what images of strength and resilience and empathy I would like and hope can establish and grow in the hearts of my children and in my heart as well. Even while living in deep doubt, and perhaps using those existential questions as motivation to say what might happen next. Faith development, this is faith development, this work, this encountering the holy. It is an act of faith, of hoping and believing. Not just that the day will come, but that we get to do something with that day as well and remember our sacredness within the embrace of the nations and of the universe. Our survival, our ability to thrive, our location in the cosmic order comes together in this song by whose words are from the Reverend Jan Aldridge Canton. And she sings this to O Little Town of Bethlehem uh, she's a feminist liberation theologian and a Baptist minister. I want to offer the song as part of my closing, and it includes the image of Sophia, who was the embodiment of wisdom in the Greek Christian scriptures. And so I offer the song, O Holy Darkness, Loving Womb. So. O holy darkness, loving womb, who nurtures and creates, sustain us through the longest night with dreams of open gates. We move inside to mystery that in our center dwells, where streams of richest beauty flow from sacred living wells. Creative darkness, closest friend, 
You whisper in the night. You calm our fears as unknown paths surprise us with new sight. We marvel at your bounty, your gifts so full and free, unfolding as you waken us to new reality. O holy night of deepest bliss, we celebrate your power. Infuse us with your energy that brings our seeds to flower. The voice out of the darkness excites our warmest zeal to bring together dark and light, true holiness reveal. O come to us, O Pia, your image black and fair, stirs us to end injustice and the wounds of earth repair. The treasures of your darkness and riches of your grace inspire us to fulfill our call, our sacredness embrace. We are doubtful, fearful, finite creatures within the entirely vast universe. Let us tell ourselves again the sacred stories that not only carry us through the night, but make it easier to linger and savor the dark that is around us and within us. We are flawed and fabulous keepers of the night and the light. May we take up our power and our call to mend the world at every season and in every hour. So may it be.